Boss Lady Conversations with Monica L. And Coach Kaya. Boss ladies are vulnerable, authentic, love, hopeful, abundant, respected. Boss ladies are you. Boss Lady Conversations with Monica L. And Coach Kaya. Boss ladies are vulnerable, authentic, love, hopeful, abundant, respected. Boss ladies are you. Hello, hello. I'm your girl, Coach Kaya, and welcome to another Boss Lady Conversations episode. I'm a boss wife, mompreneur, sister, writer, and certified transformational coach. What do I do? I help dreamers access their power by healing the trauma of their past, reigniting their dreams, and manifesting the miracles that matter today, right now, in this moment. My IG handle is at I am Coach Kaya. Oh, yes, it is, Coach Kaya. Happy, happy, happy days. Welcome back, Boss Lady listeners. I am Monica L., a Boss Lady, Cleveland-born, LA-raised, on the journey of life making dreams a reality as an educator, entrepreneur, self-published author and poet. I believe mm-hmm. these are possible through synergy. Let's get it. My IG handle is at Monica L underscore writer. And as always, we have so much gratitude for everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Just thank you for being you. Thank you for joining us on season two. Yes. For all of our international, domestic, just everyone. We are overjoyed with excitement as this season is coming to an end with many exciting things for season three. So we appreciate everyone uh, and your time because that's the most precious thing you can give anyone. (laughs) Absolutely. I could not have stated that better. Thank you, Monica L. And so we just want to remind our listeners that the only thing constant is change. So we want to evolve with you. Let us know what you think of season two, what you would like to see in season three. Email us at bossladyconversations at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at boss underscore lady underscore conversations. Our mission has always been to empower boss ladies to boss up in every area of their lives. And today we are so excited about our show. We had the pleasure of having educator, historian, political scientist, and filmmaker Kimberly Reyes here today to teach us how we can boss up for our children and how that can help us empower ourselves in every area of our lives. Monica L., I have to say this topic hits close to home for so many reasons. So, you know, we got the motherhood connection. And I really don't think that you could fully process the emotional changes of motherhood until you're in it. It is very life-changing in so many ways. There are challenges. There are also so much joy, more joy than you could even ask for in some cases. But there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to how do you show up for yourself as well as your child or children. And when it comes to bossing up for your children, most people wouldn't even consider not doing it. So it it was nice that we're going to walk away from this show with some tangible tools on how we can do that effectively. Because one thing you don't want to do is alienate people who need to support you and your children. And you also don't want to empower them to do the wrong thing for you and your children. So (laughs) it's tricky. (laughs) And Monica L., I have to say, 
you know my tribe is strong and I'm so grateful and you are an important part of that tribe. And you see how much I, I navigate on a day-to-day -day basis. It's like, happy day. Okay, I need to say some things day. And it's like, every day is different. So I just want to know from your perspective, how do you process, you know, this experience of being a part of not just my tribe, but other tribes and having godchildren who are grown at this point and being that support system? <laughs> First of all, <laughs> shout out to all the moms. I mean, without moms, none of us would be here. Let's just get that point across in case anyone forgot. It's really been an honor for me to be with you on your motherhood journey and experience of your sunshine and all of those moments. And uh, like you said, with many of my other friends who I serve as aunties and godmommies too, some of them are grown with their own children. And so it truly takes a village. But the amount of unconditional love, like if you don't know what unconditional love is, become a mother. <laughs> then you know what unconditional love is. I mean, the the sacrifices, the the days that are not so shiny and you still have to show up and just being that role model for this young person, you know, who we want to be productive citizens. So it's been my honor to be a part of it. I know that every day is not a walk on the beach, but it's okay because it's a part of life. And as we grow, we learn and, and we're pouring into our next generation. So again, I just feel honored for everyone who's allowed me to be that person and to experience everything. And I always give my godchildren their voice. I said, mm -hmm. this is the way you can do things. And they say, this is the way I want to do it. And I still support them. I support them in that because it is their journey. And I love to see their strength and not just going with the grain. So thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I love that so much. Helping, helping our children find their voices and then trusting that they have the wisdom to, to follow through. It's very important. Before we introduce this amazing boss lady, Kimberly Reyes, I wanted to just tell our guests a little bit about how this connection came to be. So our dads, actually put this connection together. <laughs> so shout out to the fathers, shout out to the grandfathers, you know, supporting the family and just supporting our dreams individually and collectively. So my dad called me all excited about Kimberly's documentary and, you know, just her stance on what she has learned about the healthcare system and how she wants to make things better. And I watched it and immediately the connection to her hard work it just came through and then I shared it with you. And then here we are today. So Kimberly, she just does an excellent job of celebrating Black motherhood, parenthood. And also she shares a lot of her experiences advocating for her baby while her baby was in NICU and life after, right? Because once you go through something that's really hard, you have to pick up the pieces and move forward. And so we're really happy, you know, that her story turned out well and positive and that her baby girl is thriving in abundance. And I think viewers were really viewers and listeners will get a chance to really walk away with some powerful takeaways in this episode today. Woo, Coach Kaya, that <laughs> is so amazing and so heartfelt. So let's get into it. I mean, because it really takes a boss lady 
to face challenges and then help others. Right. Yes. And that is what she's doing. Kimberly Reyes is a veteran educator, historian, and trained political scientist. She has nearly two decades of experience in early childhood and primary education. She's fluent in four languages, one, two, three, four, four, and intentionally pulls her parenting and educational philosophies from both Eastern and Western traditions. She is a mother of a toddler born at 26 weeks, speaking often on a NICU experience and the other challenges parents face on their journey that's been nothing but extraordinary. That's what I'm going to say, an extraordinary journey. Let's give a warm Boss Lady Conversations welcome to Kimberly Reyes. <laughs> Hi, Kimberly. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Kimberly. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are amazing. You are so amazing. And we can't wait to just dive into your journey. So our first question of the day is, what is your intention for having this boss lady conversation? Um, I think such a, the introduction as we spoke was great. Just, you know, to all the girl dads that are cheerleaders, right? That's That's kind of how this all started. And so I think when we released the documentary. My dad sent it to everyone he knew in his entire phone. And yeah. as the universe would have it, this was one of the places it landed. And so came here today to really just talk about how we as mothers can empower ourselves and each other and the importance of that community and the importance of the creation of community in our journey of motherhood. Ah. I love what you said, Kimberly, about the creation of community and your motherhood journey because it's so important. I remember at one point I had a doula, a midwife, an OB. I was really intentional about putting my community together and making decisions as much as I could, right? Because a lot of it is unexpected, but I wanted to be very intentional about making decisions for this child and for our family. And so- I'd love to know from you, what came to mind when you thought about like this community that you wanted to create for your daughter? And so I think that's a great point that there's an intentionality behind it, right? That we mm -hmm. say, what do we want to cultivate, right? What do we want mm -hmm. to create as a community, as a support system for our children? And so when my daughter was born, we were right at the start of the pandemic. The NICU was only allowing one parent at a time. She was 108 days old before my husband and I were in the same room with her. And so it was isolating for so many different reasons that the NICU normally can be. And I sort of said, you know, I don't want anyone else to ever feel so isolated and I don't want anyone to to struggle to find that community. And so all the unexpected as a project was was born out of this effort to create a space and a place for families to feel that they weren't the only ones going through what was happening, that the life, the most unexpected moments of, of life and whether it's the baby coming early or, you know, mother having a health condition or, or just, you know, not finding the answers in a provider that you want or all the different things that life can provide for people, but that there was a space for people to, to gather and to feel heard and, and to understand that there are experiences much like their own. Thank you. 
Thank you. And so with that, as a kind of like a two-parter, so you established that you needed a community. And so what did that search or how did that go about or come about? And so when we first launched all the unexpected it was it was a podcast and it was just sort of and I think anyone who's who's done a podcast or any of these kind of things you feel like you're just talking to the ether right you know is anyone listening is it just me and it started as that and then I said well you know I need to to write some articles about things that I'm thinking about and maybe you know I need to have some recipes and things for families and it sort of just organically grew into the website that it is today and you know we're lucky now there are listeners in over 64 countries I get emails from people in in Kenya and in India and in Brazil telling me you know I hear a part of myself in your story and and to me that is just awe-inspiring frankly that is inspiring I mean when you think about it you you just did something that you felt led to do in your heart and you didn't even know how many lives you would touch but just by showing up in your courage everything else kind of unfolded from there. Yeah, I think sometimes that's that's one of the things in life, right? We need to just sort of follow what feels right, do and there's a, you know, the old saying of, you know, do unto others that you wish to be done unto you, right? And so this idea of of just saying, hey, you know, I, I could have used a community. I could have used to, to know that someone else had gone through the same thing and just that impetuous to make sure that the next person had it a little bit better, right? That the next right. person had a little bit more help and a little bit more support. And I just think there's an effort to to pass it, to pay it forward, right? To pass it along and and to just say, okay, what can I do for the next person? And hopefully that's also their response and, and they continue down that road and, and the world's a better place as a result, right? Exactly. And so when you think about those low moments, you know, when you and your husband were separated from each other and also having to be separated from your daughter. What are some of the things that you did to kind of stay connected as a family and also advocate for her in in some very pivotal moments? I mean, I think one of the things was that we were always on the same page and in the sense of we, this is what we want for her and this is what we're going to do. And even in the hospital, we were on rounds every morning and we sat there, two of us on the phone in the morning before the day would even start to say what's going to happen with her today. We had this united front, but we also asked the questions. And if something wasn't clear, I had no problem stopping the chief resident who was doing the rounds in their busy morning and saying, okay, one second, what does that term mean? Why would you choose this thing? And to know that in that space, when it comes to my child, I had every right to ask those questions, every right to stop someone and ask them to clarify or to re-explain and to make sure that I was comfortable because that mattered. And so it's a huge piece of of knowing that your voice has a place in this discussion when it comes to your children and as the leader of the discussion, frankly, right? Absolutely. Know your role. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah, you, are, yeah no, you are the parent. You are, I made this person. I grew this person, you know, like this is, this is me. So just understanding that that's what 
mattered and to not let some title or two word suffix at the end of someone's name or all the different things that people tend to be intimidated by stand in your way because I'm sorry, that title of parent is is a far more important one. Absolutely. And I love that. I love that you owned who you are. You are a mom. Like you say, your husband is a dad. This is your child. So with that, it sounds like it was definitely, you know, a challenging time where you had to have a community of support. And on Boss Lady Conversations, we speak so much about wellness and having support. So outside of your medical team, who would you say were some of your biggest supporters? And so the same dad that sent that podcast to everybody who would listen picked me up every morning from my house Mm -hmm. and drove me to that hospital for 109 days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most of the time would wait outside all day and yeah. And, you know, eat a bagel or do all the things that should one can do and, and drove me home. Yeah. Never had thought it. Yeah. Yeah. Him just telling the story of being on the other side of a wall from his grandchild and he couldn't go inside. And just just that experience in itself. But yeah, just just that simple thing of, you know, I had a C-section. I was recovering the last thing I could, you know, I the I remember the walk from just the door to the elevator the first couple of days being excruciating, you know, so having someone to literally mm-hmm. just take me there and, and take me back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was something that I know thoroughly blessed for and, and grateful for. I'm so glad that you brought that up because people don't realize how this impacts the family, the extended community, and how everyone has to decide how they can best serve you. Because, you know, some support can be overwhelming if it's if they're putting too much pressure on you. But it's just amazing when the support system gets it just right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Just to find that balance. And, and I think one of the things is a lot of times people go to support someone else in doing what they would want to be done for them. And it can become overwhelming because not everybody needs the same thing. And I think just anyone listening saying, well, how can I support somebody in this? Ask them, what do you need? Like, can I just bring you a meal? Can I, if you have another child, can I watch that child? Or just the simplest things, but part of it is an open communication because the best way you can support somebody is really hearing what their needs are, right? Right. Absolutely. And you've done an extensive amount of research when it comes to understanding the healthcare system, especially as it relates to birth mortality rates and and overhauling the healthcare system to really support motherhood. And so I'd love to know what are some of the key changes that you would make, you know, if, if you had the opportunity to just overhaul the system? Yeah, well, I mean, overall, (laughs) indeed, right? And so we're looking at a state where they just released 2021 CDC figures, and we are back to 1965 with regards to maternal mortality in many places. And it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And so we can wring our hands till the end of time and say, well, this is an awful situation, but we have to look at how we've gotten here and why we're here. And one of the major issues is this medicalization of birth, right? So calling it an acute 
medical crisis as opposed to a natural human occurrence. It is the most natural thing. And 80 to 90% of the time, it is uncomplicated and in no need of medical intervention. And so if we take the small percentage of cases like mine, yes, I had to go to the hospital. My water broke at 23 weeks, right? There was no other choice. But for most women, it is a uncomplicated, medically not acute scenario. And so the best thing that we can do is to have those mothers birth in situations that are treating this not as a medical problem, not as something that the doctor who's got three other things on his schedule needs to rush along, right? That if a woman needs to be in labor for a day and a half because that's what her body's doing, then we sit there and we give her the time and the space, right? And we don't tell her, lay down, take this medication, don't eat, don't move, right? All of the opposite of what uncomplicated birth should look like. And so we need to figure out a way to support mothers to birth in a way that speaks to them and in a way that honors their comfort, their voices, their wishes, right? And the things that they have planned for themselves. And so what does that look like in many cases? That looks like a midwife and not a doctor. That looks like a birth center and not a hospital. And how do we make that accessible for people? How do we make that accessible for people where there's not a financial burden? Yes, you could have a home birth, but you also kind of have to have 10 grand sitting on the side to just do that by yourself, right? And so let's talk about how we make, you know, a non-medicalized, you know, non-acute situation birth, which is the normal eight out of 10 births accessible for all women so that they can do so in a place where it's safe for them, their voices are heard, and their wishes are honored. Oh, I love it. I love it. So it sounds like you're going to be a, a policy changer. <laughs> and let's talk about more about your documentary and all your amazing work, you know, so that our listeners how to retrieve it and how to digest it. And, and I know you have some other things to share as long along those lines. Yeah. Sure. Well, one of it's we were talking about how did we get here, right? And so, how do we have a situation where the current, you know, maternal mortality rate is what it is? And why are Black women more likely to have preterm babies? Why are Black women dying more often? Why are, you know, it's such an acute situation for our population? And if we don't understand the history, we don't understand how we've arrived at the present. And so, as an historian by training, I started to to say, okay, well, let's put these pieces together and, and figure out how we got here. And so from that kind of place, the, the first podcast episodes with regards to people like Dr. Sims and the, the slave women's experimentation, Anarcho Lucy and Betsy, I hate to ever mention his name without mentioning theirs. And also just the history of black motherhood in this country. And so started as a podcast episode. And then I said, I need to to say more of this, right? And so the documentaries were born and, and we've released two short documentaries to this date, one called Legacy of Indifference, which talks about the history of medical experimentation on black women and how that has affected views of pain management and actual medical practice up until today. 
and the second one called Ain't I a Woman after Sojourner Truth's famous speech about her own womanhood, right? Talks about the history of Black motherhood being marked by separation, being marked by a situation where you were a wet nurse to another child while your own didn't get nourished by you, right? And so how all of these you know, historical moments and the legacy of that relationship and the view, not only in our own communities, but from an outside lens has affected how we actually care for and treat Black mothers. And so, and we are actually preview alert (laughs) on hard at work at a third uh, documentary about the history of midwifery, uh, midwifery rather, in this country, and how that was erased intentionally by the medical community. And Mm -hmm. at one point in time, that most black, most midwives in this country were older black women at one point in time, and they were charged with taking care of their community, and their role and their expertise and the legacy of the work they did was systematically and intentionally erased and looking at why that happened and what we do to resurrect that practice and start to take care of our own again. Wow, historian. And thank you. Thank you for sharing the knowledge, the wisdom and doing the work. It's needed. Because so many don't know. We hear the stories. We hear, you know, the challenges that even celebrities have. And we wonder with all the resources they have, how did this occur? And it's just in today's times, like, it's just a lot. So thank you. Definitely hard. You know, they did studies and they figured out that regardless of a Black woman's socioeconomic status, education level, all the things that would normally mark access and birth health, that their birth outcomes were still just as bad as counterparts with neither one of those things, right? So Mm -hmm. if it's not about how much money you have, and if it's not about how much education and schooling you have, right, what is it about? Well, we know, right? And so looking at saying, regardless of all of these other status markers, Black women are experiencing this inequity in birth, in healthcare, across the board. Well, that sounds very intentional then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and I wanted to know, what advice do you have for those who, you know, maybe don't have a desire to do a documentary or the ability to do the extensive research that you do? Because you really dedicated a lot of your life to this. What advice do you have for for other people who just want to get involved, even though they may not be pregnant or they may be finished having children or whatever the case may be, but they want to support this work. Well, I mean, I think one of the big things that we can do as a community is to pass the info along, right? So even if you're not having a baby, tell the next person, hey, give this a watch, right? Just be informed as a community because it's one of those things like we've got community watches for a reason, right? And so not everybody is walking around the neighborhood at night, but those group of four people are walking around the neighborhood at night to tell everybody else what's going on, right? And so as a community, we have to sort of collectively rise this knowledge, right? And this ability, but passing on pieces of information and and letting people know that they've got the rights to certain things. And, you know, for anyone going into the hospital, for example, and you're, even if it's you or your cousin or your aunt or whoever it is, right, tell them that they have the right to write down that birth plan, 
that they have the right to have it notarized. They have the right to have their wishes put on paper and protected so that everyone is on the same page. And so that if you are going to have a child, make sure that anybody who's in your circle knows, hey, here's this piece of paper. Here's my birth plan. Even if I am somehow incapacitated, you make sure that the next person's following it, right? That we are all each other's advocates and that we are all each other's voice. And that accountability, it's a lot harder to operate in darkness when the light is being shine shown on you. Right. Absolutely. Very well. Said. And I also wanted to ask you, I know that this work you do, it, it can be heart wrenching. I mean, you're reading so much information and studying. A lot of it is painful. Some of it shows a lot of resilience, but how do you couple this with being present as a mom to the everyday joys? And I remember in your podcast, you mentioned that quote, I love that in parenting, the days are long, but the years are short. So how do you stay present to, yes, I'm doing this powerful work. And yes, this is heart wrenching in a lot of ways, but then I'm also raising this amazing person and I'm present to them every day. I never forget that she is my why. Why am I doing this so that the world that she will inherit will be a better place? And that her, you know, her sisters and cousins and everyone else, you know, who who looks like us will have a different tomorrow and understanding that at the end of the day, this is for the greater good. And I think with anything in life, it's finding the balance, right? And so I tend there's a, you know, a picture that I, I put on one of the socials the other day of emails might be a little slow today because there's just the back of someone's head in the place of my computer screen. And I spend a lot of the day typing with one hand and reading rocket science children's books with the other hand. And so it's finding a balance in the everyday. And I know it is such a luxury to be able to do the work that I do the way that I do, you know, and I I think that we have to all find the balance and the place for connection. And I think one of the things is just start small. I'd say to anybody, say, okay, well, I'm way too busy for that. I have to leave the house. I have to do that. That's a reality for, for most people, right? But think about the smallest amount of connection and how much power it can have. So take that 10 minutes at the dinner table and turn all the devices off. And don't watch TV while you eat or whatever it is that you do. And ask a question, have a routine, play a, a game, do, do something so that every day there's some sort of connection fostered and you're listening to these small people in front of you tell you the most important thing that happened to them or the most exciting thing that happened. Or so we tend to say to kids, okay, what'd you learn today? And most kids are like, nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But think of a question that's, that's more accessible. What yeah. was the craziest thing someone did in your class today? There's going to be an answer for that. <laughs> And then, you know, it becomes a conversation. How did the teacher respond? Oh, well, they did this. Well, did you think that was the right response? And you might find out a lot about, A, what's happening in your child's day, right? right. And B, also how they how they see the world. And there's such an opportunity for engagement that we, we miss in these small moments by not just kind of taking a second to 
to really engage and ask them something that will bring meaning to their day, right? Right, right. Right. I love that. And also share with our listeners, because I know that I just see so many layers to this work and it just makes me smile because you are speaking for so many that don't have a voice. And this podcast, like you say, your podcast has reached so many and these women are communicating with you about the similarities across the world. So obviously this is needed. So tell us about, I know you have some things lined up for the medical community, how they need to listen. So it's not just the patient coming in, but tell us about your your vision for the medical community and the changes you would like to see. I think we need a couple of different things to happen and we need care that is both culturally informed and trauma informed, right? And so that people need to enter a room. And I saw actually a a great post the other day by a nurse and she was talking about treating humanity, not illness. Right. And and it was just, you know, it was such a great way to say it. And, And that's it. Right. These are not cases. These are people right? This is someone's story. And so understanding that you will enter the room with your own set of biases, as will the person. And so if you think, okay, well, people talk about hesitancy in the Black community for medical reasons. Well, Tuskegee, right? You know, but like, there's there's a reason. But then understanding on the other end of it too, why might this person be hesitant? Why might this person not trust me? Why might this person not open up to me, right? Having a real discussion, right? And it's it's a very simple series of things. And so as much as I would love for every parent to to see the documentaries right and to see what we're doing in an effort to inform themselves i i want the doctors and the nurses to be watching them too right i want people to understand that look here's a history so you know when we were doing the documentary about black motherhood i started reading statistics about lactation consultants right and there's a situation where a black mother is nine times more likely than her counterpart to be offered formula as opposed to lactation consulting in the hospital. Why? Mm. And the great quote was, well, why should I spend time with them if they're not going to nurse anyways? And yeah. And so just, just even in, you know, a community whose sole goal is to help mothers learn to nursing, there's so much implicit bias to say that Black women don't breastfeed that people aren't even trying to help, right? Because they're saying, ah, it's a waste of my time. I might as well go spend time with a mother who actually will nurse. And just looking at that. And so I went about sitting down on the computer and sending that documentary to every national lactation association I could find because I said, please start showing this to people. People need to know that there's a reason why they hold these biases and there's a reason why, and it is historical and it is hundreds of years old and it is wrong. Wow. Well, you definitely gave us the historical context because clearly (laughs) you started off with saying that we had to, in the beginning, 
And now you're saying that, yes. So I see that. And I'm glad that not only you have a creative side, but then also you are doing the direct distribution. <laughs> you're like, let me get it out. You're not waiting for anyone to say, oh, this is something we should see. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you're welcome. And no, it's, it's legwork, right? It's mm-hmm. literally, it's, and I, him, I don't know, maybe a, not even 10% the way down the list because they're sitting there copy and pasting individual email after individual email. And I'll tell you, it is time consuming. But you know what? I've actually had responses back and I've had people say, I'm sending this to my whole department. I'm sending Amazing. this to the chairman. I'm sending this Amazing. to this person. And so, you know, I want people to remember that the internet has kind of, for all its good and bad and everywhere in between, become the great equalizer. It really is because I can go online, search the company, search who the CEO is and go on LinkedIn and add that person and send them a message. And you know what? Sometimes I've actually gotten responses. And it's, it's such a, so, you know, never underestimate your own voice. Never say, Ooh, I shouldn't contact that person. Or I don't know who that is. You know, like the amount of responses that I've gotten just from complete strangers being like, thank you so much. Like I have to tell this person or I have to send it to the director or this other person needs to hear this or needs to see this. It's, it's, it's so possible. So know that your voice really can be amplified And don't ever sell yourself short in the sense of, oh, well, who am I to talk to this person? Or who am I to call this director or person? You're a parent, you're a mother, you're an advocate, you're you're the person who who feels passionately about this topic. Just, you know. It feels like the major difference between being hopeless and hopeful. It's like, even you doing this work, everything that you know, everything that you've seen, there's still so much hope in the fact that you're like, you know what? I'm going to share this information with you because somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody actually might make the difference in someone's life who really needs that support and who may not make it unless they would have seen this. It's a big deal. Yeah. The number of times people have said, wow, I would never have known. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's and and that's it. And so I I just think that's that's such a huge thing for anyone to to think about in 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 the work that they're doing and the thing that they find passionate, you know. And I think too many of us have such a oh, I could think of a hundred reasons why I shouldn't do something, right? right? And I said, but if you can find one reason why you should, then you need to. I love that. Yeah. I feel like you have really already saved so many lives around the world that you will never know just by sharing and by these women who are responding. And let's not forget, as I know we know, it's not just about the baby, but it's about the mom too. There are mothers who don't make it through this experience. So yes, we're saving lives. I love it. Mm. Thank you. So Kimberly, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you so that they don't miss anything? Sure. So um, right over here. <laughs> so 
allthenexpected.com that's one word is our our web destination right and so everything that we do is on there the podcast the articles you can go to one web destination on socials on instagram on facebook on twitter we are just at all the unexpected you can find us there um i love to hear from people on the website there is just a place where you can send an email and no it doesn't go to some random staff person it's over here like the wizard of oz i read it all so just know that that is you're getting directly in touch with me and yeah it's just to me um absolutely wonderful to, to hear from people and to share the resources i tell anybody whatever you see that you like feel free to share it with whoever you you want to because that's the idea the, the more knowledge out there the better yeah. that's right and know that one uh, boss lady conversations alumna always so we look forward to welcoming you back and also just to be in the loop of everything that you're doing and everything that you're creating to make this world a better place. Thank you. Thank you, Thank <laughs> you for having me. It was such a, a wonderful opportunity. And I am, you know, very just excited to see what else you guys do for, for season two and, you know, all of the, the knowledge that will be spread. Thank you. Before we go, we definitely want to give everyone a recap of some of the amazing things that you've shared with us today on this Boss Lady Conversation, especially about advocating for children and about learning ways to boss up, not just for yourself, but for the little people in your life and also the big people because they grow really fast. <laughs> and sometimes it's more work as they grow. So here's a recap of some of the many gems that Kimberly shared with us today. The title and role of parent is an important one. If your child is concerned, there's no place where you don't have a place at the head of the table. It's important to remember that. We need to reimagine what birth looks like by creating more spaces for uncomplicated birth experiences. This looks like increasing access to midwives and birth centers. Let's start to do everything we can to make this more accessible for women so that their voices can be heard and their wishes can be honored. Be informed as a community. We have to start collectively sharing the knowledge. Pass on information to those who may need it. Help them to better understand their rights. Make sure that the people who support you know your desires. And finally, remember your why, whether it's your children, their legacy, or other things that really matter to you. Start small, turn devices off, and have real conversations. This will help you find balance and create everyday opportunities for lasting connection. Ooh, that was amazing, Coach Kaya. Well, we really <laughs> hope you enjoyed connecting us today and learning more about the work Kimberly has done. At, you can connect with her at All Things Unexpected on Instagram and all the social media. Kimberly, thank you so much for being a part of our Boss Lady Conversation. Yay. <laughs> thank you for having me.